this with 56% humidity. And now um, let me welcome naturopath Philip Watkins. He joins me for the final Feel Good Friday Health Talk. It's been really nice having him on every other Friday. And today, Philip focuses on the benefits of probiotics. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Philip. Hi, Sadia, and everyone listening. Yeah, it's nice to be here even uh, across international waters. Uh, I'm grateful to, to yeah. keep Feel Good Fridays going a little longer. That's great, because you're away. Where are you now, just for the listeners' sake? <laughs> for the listeners' sake, I am in uh, wintry but sunny Melbourne, Australia, so probably the bottom right-hand corner of the world. For oh, most. wow. It's, I... um, it's uh, been it... very nice. And, and you're back in Hong Kong in the beginning of July. That's right, isn't it? Indeed, yes, I'm going to get my first my first phase of quarantine and everything that uh, is entailed in trying to keep an 18-month-old uh, sane. Oh. <laughs> so it's going to oh, be, a, that's the uh, hardest. May not be um, yeah, an easy experience, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's probably the best attitude to have. Now, today, Philip, you've chosen to talk about probiotics. And I suppose before we kind of go into the um, nitty-gritty of them, uh, you know, for people who are not familiar, what exactly are probiotics? You know, because I think of yogurt and I think that's other a, things and stuff. So. Right. And to be fair, that's actually exactly where it did all start. The first evidence of probiotics is actually around 10,000 years ago when the Aztecs were serving it up to their kings as a, uh, as a you know, an offering. Mm-hmm. Um, the term probiotics is actually Latin. There's a few differing, uh, differing meanings or differing interpretations of the translation, but generally it's for life or life um in latin so yogurt and fermented foods and things like that were actually the first evidence that there were life within those foods and hence the term probiotics so the i guess now where our understanding has uh, evolved a little bit further to understand that those particular forms of bacteria are with us as well mm-hmm. and uh, in our bodies and you know that's how i guess some of the things we're going to talk about today Mm-hmm. And to what extent uh, do we have sort of control over this thing? I mean, you know, it is through our diet, isn't it, that we can, say, eat more of them? I mean, are there things that perhaps people shouldn't eat until they've checked whether they're okay for their bodies? That's a good question. I, I think the, it really just, it, once again, I think if you're a regular listener to the show, you, you'll know that some of there is a context with a little bit of nuance or personalization. Mm-hmm. with you know whether or not you should have a lot of fermented foods for example if you have irritable bowel syndrome but generally fiber is a big driver of your probiotic bacteria so that's where the term prebiotic come came from mm-hmm. in that fiber generally supports or the way i like to describe it fiber will support the infrastructure that houses the live organisms so in relation to the diet uh, a little bit more of a Plant-based diet can improve the diversity of your uh, of the bacteria living with you, of which they did originally think it was around ten to one in favour of the bacteria. Mm-hmm. That ratio has now gone down to around about one to two bacteria for every cell of the body. So it's a pretty you know it's a lot of bacteria within us that mm-hmm. that do have an influence on us as well. So we can, you know, get lots of things sort of over the counter, can't we? We don't necessarily need a a doctor's thing or prescription or anything like that. So we can help ourselves like that. That's true. And I think 
the there are probably a few things that I would recommend the listeners to um, to look out for. I think one of the key things is that generally when you're dealing with live organisms, I would suggest just like humans, if you put a human being in you know seventy to eighty degree heat, their uh, life cycle, you know, the lifespan may reduce quite drastically, mm-hmm. and probiotic bacteria are actually very similar. You know where uh, they have you know a very particular you know, temperature region where they thrive or they're able to stay alive, basically. And that's where you see probiotics uh, generally refrigerated. So one of the key ways, I think, to look at how to supplement with probiotics is generally more to look for the ones in the fridge. Um, One of the things that a lot of people don't know is that 25 degrees is generally the cutoff for most probiotics in order to kind of maintain their stability. So when you're looking at, you know, obviously having a product or an over-the-counter formula that you can buy, Hong Kong may not be the most friendly place for shelf-stable probiotics or anything that's not in the fridge. Just obviously you just did the weather report there before uh, that 32 degrees sounds Mm. a lot better than the 8 degrees it is or whatever it is today in Melbourne. But but hey, you know, if you're, you know, obviously we're used to warm houses and and the warmth in Hong Kong. So generally choosing probiotic formula that is in the fridge is a better go if you're interested in in trying them. Mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, when I kind of just Googled it, um, a, a whole bunch of you know, like supplements turned up and I just saw loads and loads of bottles of little capsules of things. And so, I mean, is that sort of encouraged or do you think generally, you know, in our, if we have a good balanced diet and perhaps we include more fermented stuff like things like kimchi and stuff, and which is very easy to do in Hong Kong. I mean, we don't necessarily need a lot of these supplements that you that can be quite expensive, can't they? That's a really good question. I think one of the key, the key things to point out there is that the one of the reasons why probiotics got quite popular was because we found that they could be used therapeutically for people who are unwell, mm-hmm. and that has then, I guess, you know, burgeoned this industry of over-the-counter solutions. Let's say uh, for you know a myriad of different illnesses or or maladies, if if you want to use the the old school word. And I think really it, there's it really depends on what you're hoping to get out of using probiotics in relation to whether or not you do feel as if there's something, for example, irritable bowel syndrome is a a pretty good example. There's also research around antibiotic-associated bacteria, uh, diarrhea, um, and, you know, some of the side effects from antibiotics and, you know, other things along those lines. A lot of people don't know that probiotics may help lactose intolerance Mm -hmm. as well in some people, but, as I said, it really, you're, to your point around the diet, looking into fermented foods and not only using them as a condiment. That's the other thing that I often see a lot is people generally have really big serves. They drink a lot of kombucha or a lot of, um, you know, they have huge amounts of, of kefir or huge amounts, sorry, of uh, sauerkraut mm-hmm. or kimchi when mm-hmm. really it should be, be you know, a smaller amount, um, you know, the, maybe the size of, you know, a 50 cent coin or something along those lines, which is, you know, really quite small, mm. um, just for flavor. But that can hit, a, you know, have a really big effect on, on, uh, the stability of your probiotics. And I generally say that 
fermented foods are more of a maintenance for the probiotic therapy that you've done previously if you are unwell. So once you've kind of achieved the therapy, then using fermented foods after that can have a really great effect on the population that's been rebuilt uh, post-supplementation. I suppose there is a bit of an inclination by, you know, when we suddenly read about something and we think, oh, you know, that's good for this, that's good for this, you suddenly think, right, go on, then let's just buy a big jar of kimchi and let's get through it in a week. (laughs) But I mean, like everything else, it is about moderation. I mean, you know, your, your diet has to be balanced. The things that you put in whether it's roughage or whether it's protein or carbs or whatever everything is the balance it is about the balance isn't it it is uh, i've always i've got a, a relatively famous saying i guess with through my patients so i always say everything in moderation depending on the, depending on the moderator mm. and i think the you know the, to your point about having a lot of kimchi and things like that you know the, one of the interesting things about your point around diversity in the diet is that the microbiome, so if you're new to that term, the microbiome is uh, the descriptive term for basically the planet of bacteria, you know, fungi, and all of the microorganisms that populate your digestion. And the bacteria or probiotics are just one portion of that microbiome. But the one of the things that we're seeing now is that the, diverse, the diversity of species So the way I tend to help people understand it is if you've got a planet like Earth Mm. and you have different nationalities around, you know, around the Earth that have their own languages, their own functionalities, they contribute to the world in their own way and, you know, but they live in different parts of the globe, bacterial probiotics are very similar. So you have higher amounts of lactobacillus in the upper abdomen, for example, and, you know, more bifidobacterium so another species of probiotics in the lower abdomen so they each so all of the different species and diversity is actually really important so that mirrors some way the diversity that you mentioned in the diet where you know lots of colored fruits and vegetables lots of different forms of fiber actually have their own interaction with the diversity of the the bacteria in the in mainly the digestion and other areas of the body so to your point can really be very beneficial to keep that diversity up and largely now with the science we're actually seeing that problems are occurring from a lack of diversity mm-hmm. so once again that kind yeah. of compounds the yeah. point a little bit as well yeah because i suppose there is this kind of big fad where you know people adopt particular types of diets and like they stick to the whole protein they avoid the, i mean i'm avoiding carbs and stuff lately but i will still include it in the diet because i think the body actually knows when you get rid of it <laughs> and starts reacting yes yeah, so it's yeah, just it's true. you know you have to listen to your own body but you have to be sensible about it i mean to what extent do we um you know as a family like you know you've got children you've got um, older people in the family is that something you know what's good practice to do with a family obviously the balanced diet but how can you gradually introduce these things into people's uh, you know in, into people's life to make things better for them i think it I, the first place I would start is probably the answer that you would expect is, you know, more uh, more fruits and vegetables. Um, really, the some of the statistics around yeah. uh, the Hong Kong diet study, for example, had that was done, I think, in 2014, had, you know, the average vegetable intake at around one to two units for male and females. So, mm. 
you know, when you consider that the World Health Organization five serves of fruits and vegetables was a quite a relatively old statistic, you know, being basically two fifths or three fifths away from that is, uh, or you could translate into 60% away from that old statistic of fruits and vegetables, uh, you know, that's definitely a place to start and mm-hmm. um, increasing fiber uh, from there again. But I think actually trying to work out ways to make it fun, you know, I think uh, there are uh, different recipes that you can use yeah. that will increase yeah. people's fiber intake. Smoothies yeah. as well is another way of doing it. You, I have some patients put a lot, you know, some oats in a smoothie where it sometimes just changes the consistency in a positive way, but then also has that prebiotic nature to it. Mm-hmm. And then with fermented foods, it doesn't have to be much. This is the thing. So you can have a little bit of sauerkraut, a little bit of kimchi for flavor. That's uh, all you need. And that's so, it as a condiment, not- as you said, like, you know, just to have a little bit of it. It's interesting because, you know, you're mentioning the whole thing about fruit and vegetables. I was doing um, a little chat on the show the other day, too, where um, they, there was some research about ADHD, ADHD. ADHD and the fact sure. that you know young children that if you if they just had they done they've actually done this whole research that if they just increase the amount of fruit and vegetables that they were having in their diet they could see a marked difference between their in their behavior and and the symptoms that they had so that is at the end of the day it is the solution isn't it it is going back to our diets going back to the natural way of doing things it, it it's I think one of the interesting things about really spending some time watching the research evolve and that the, the ADHD research you mentioned is, mm-hmm. is a, you know, definitely a part of that is that it seems as if for a lot of us that the simplest things are the hardest to do. And, you know, changing that, that exposure to fruits and vegetables and even um, I, I do an exercise with some of my patients called uh, uh, dietary literacy in, in the sense that when you go through a mental health program, you'll go through something called emotional literacy where you'll use different words for anxiety, for example, like agitation, restlessness, you know, in order to diff- you know, articulate your anxiety differently. But with dietary literacy, I get people to write a list of 20 fruits and vegetables that they know of and then go through a process of exactly how many of those are actually eating. Mm. And you'll find that the majority of us, me included, unfortunately, at the best, you know, um, not the, you know, the, the best example of it as well, but you can get into those same four or five fruits and vegetables yeah. that you put through your favorite yeah. salad or, and you can really just get into a habit of eating those favorite things. So even just as a, you know, as a way of starting, if you want to just write down 20 fruits and vegetables and just say, how many of those am I eating weekly, fortnightly, or am I interested in trying, you might actually find that there's an opportunity there to really build on, on that diversity. And to your point around the therapy, that can have really huge changes for your body because that nutrition can really start to pay the bills again as so you know different examples that we've mentioned where we just needs extra money to spend mm-hmm. no you're absolutely right um and also you were you were saying something about the psychobiotics what is that <laughs> is it psychobiotics? yeah I, I include i wanted to include that today mainly because i think i like a buzz term and, mm-hmm. um psychobiotics is probably one of the one of those fun ones um so psychobiotics is actually a relatively new group of probiotics that mm-hmm. affect the central nervous system 
and the behaviors meted, uh, that are mediated by the digestion and the brain and their connection. And um, one of the, I wanted to enter into this conversation in some way, just to give people uh, an idea of potentially where the therapy is going and, but also to build on some of the points that we've made today in that the connection between the brain and the digestion is very, very intimate. And um, it's one of my specialties, but also the idea is, is that your probiotics uh, can actually influence the brain also in depression, anxiety in some early studies. Okay. So these studies are still, in my opinion, they are still to really get standardized where we know that this formula for this period of time is going to achieve um, some results, but for people experiencing mild to moderate depression with also um, mild to moderate anxiety, so we could just use the pandemic as a mm, pretty easy mm, example there, mm. um, over around 8 to 12 weeks, a general multi-species formula, so something that you might see on, you know, uh, generally over-the-counter in a professional clinic or something like that, they that would generally give you a good chance of helping your brain you know, over a relatively short time to maybe feel a little better emotionally, which is really kind of crazy. That's, and there are a few amazing, cool studies around that yeah. as well. Yeah, so it, it's a very fascinating kind of feeling. So, so where do we start then? I mean, just as a sort of to end this, if somebody is kind of interested in getting more information, I mean, obviously lots of information is available online. You can Google these things and you can find out. And But if they want to go any further than that, they would say contact someone like you or and who could guide them through it and after taking their history and think, is that how it works? I, I think largely there's a benefit to that. Um, the, I, I think to reinforce our conversation somewhat, I, I would start with the diet first. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that if you're, if you can improve your fiber consumption, that will improve your, the potential of the probiotics. Um, always seeing a specialist is, is going to be easier because there are specific species or specific formulas that can be better or more appropriate for different conditions. So I think to your question, if you are looking for therapy, so for irritable bowel syndrome or, you know, maybe eczema or some of these things that have been widely publicized to have connections with probiotics is probably better to see a specialist mm -hmm. to actually get a guide, but also to understand dosage and, um, and, you know, duration in that sense. For example, someone with irritable bowel, um, would take a relatively like a 50 billion, um, probiotic, whereas someone with inflammatory bowel, disorder like an ulcerative colitis could take up to 450 okay. billion. So there's a really big So it's best not to say pick up a whole bunch of supplements from Google or whatever and, and start eating them without any great knowledge of, of what that may do for your body. You need to actually look into it beforehand. It just... It just may not guarantee yeah. the results, yeah. that's all. And I think that's really what it's all about yeah. is, is just maybe doing it in a bit more of a focused fashion to hopefully get you know, get some of those good vibes that, that mm. they can deliver. Great. Philip, thank you so much for that. I hope that, you know, um, listeners have found it useful because I know it's, it's a term that's kind of bandied around every so often and people don't quite understand it. They just think of yogurt and kimchi in there. But there's a lot more to it. And I, and I do think at the end of the day, it is just about... Um, you know, having a good balanced diet and getting lots of fresh fruit and veg on on your plate, it's, seriously, and encourage it's been children. A, it's a pretty good. 
Yeah, and get your yeah, kids at I, it I too. Agree. Yeah, great. It's just Philip, a pretty good place to start. Yeah, thank you so much for Feel Good Friday. We really enjoyed these sessions. And um, Noreen is back now in a couple of weeks, so I'm off. So thank you ever so much for working with me. And um, have a nice holiday the rest of your time. And I hope you enjoy your quarantine. If it's still there, who knows? It may change thank in you. the next couple of weeks. Yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> anyway, thank you, sorry. Thank, thank you. you to the 123 show. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye-bye.